Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Uh, I'm Pastor Scott Sigmund. And uh, I love the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? Are you believing for great things? Are you ready to, to learn the Word of God today? Father, as we open up the Word of God today, we ask for your anointing. We pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We thank you, Lord, that in your presence, every fear, every doubt, every sickness, every spirit that comes to block the blessing of God, God is removed in Jesus' name, and we'll see the pathway forward. We'll see the blessing of God. We'll see how the promise of God overcomes the problems of this world. We love you. We thank you and bless you for a great day studying the Word in Jesus' name, in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. Give a big amen, amen, amen. All right, well, good. It's nice to see you this morning. We're going to start here in Torah portion number 45, and we're in Deuteronomy 3 today. Uh, hey, Lionel, I know we have, but we're, we're rocking and rolling now, so we're just going to keep on going. Um, uh, we're in Deuteronomy 3 through 7 today. And in this week's Torah study, uh, God, amongst many topics, there, you know, in every Torah study, there's many topics that uh, uh, you could speak on. But uh, this week, uh, there's a scripture uh, that is actually a prayer. And it's considered the greatest prayer in all of Judaism. And it's called the Shema. Say Shema. Shema. And the first verse of the Shema is in Deuteronomy 6.4. Might want to check that in your Bible. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And so, this is like a biblical, a Jewish declaration of faith. We haven't understood this much in Christianity. Uh, today, we're going to lay a little bit of foundation and delve into this a little bit. Uh, it's one of the two greatest prayers in all the Bible. And we're going to talk about both of them today. And the first one is the Shema. It's like the Jewish Constitution. The founding documents are capsulized. The essence is in the Shema. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. Raise your right hand. <laughs> and uh, it's when, when you speak the Shema, Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Ikad. Hear, O Israel, listen up, Israel. Hear, listen, pay attention to what the Lord is saying. And it begins with recognizing God as the one true God. 
It's not like all the other nations of the world with their religions and there's multiple gods and this and that and the other thing. Uh, there's one God, creator of all heaven and earth. And his name is Yahweh, Jehovah, and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah. And so, when you recite the Shema, you're making this acknowledgement, as if you're accepting all of that revelation into your heart. And uh, it's one of those where... Uh, because in uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, they recite this every day. In the morning and at night. And uh, the reason why is in verse 7, Deuteronomy 6-7, it speaks of recite this when you wake up and when you go to bed. So it's that, uh, that fulfillment. And what is happening is that you're conveying to yourself, very important to have listening ears, not so you can inform someone else, but so that you can inform yourself. <laughs> inform your own soul on how things need to be. And at the very core of Judeo-Christianity is there's just one God. Amen. And when we... Speak the Shema. Hear, O Israel. Hear, new beginnings. Hear, Sigmund family. The Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. Basically, what you're saying is any principle in the Bible, I'm loyal to. Anybody here loyal to the Bible? Anyone here loyal to the church? Anyone here loyal to the Lord? Amen. We need to have loyalty, don't we? And when we get rooted and grounded in the concept that there's one God, creator of all heaven and earth, He's Almighty God, He is creator of the universes, and He's my gracious Father. Not a bad deal that all heaven and earth, led by Almighty God, looks upon you and I as part of the family, and He is a gracious Father that wants to teach us some things. Amen? And so, if, if you were to really think about this, uh, this statement, this prayer, it has an equivalent, perhaps, uh, we could argue about it, but John 3.16 Every Christian, every American around the world, people know, if there's one scripture people know, it's John 3.16. Thanks to the guys with the colored wigs in the end zone <laughs> of a football game, right, that hold that sign up. But we're fortunate that we have the intellect, we have the revelation, we have spiritual eyes to see that there is but one God. We don't have to go chasing here or there. And we are learning, how many of you are learning to put God first? Is there any benefit in putting God first? Yeah, of course. Amen. The Shema is the first prayer a Jewish child is taught. We're teaching our little two-year-old grandson. We've been teaching uh, him to say Shema Israel. 
to say, Our Father, who art in heaven. It's the last prayer a Jew will try to say just before they go home to the Lord. And how many of you know uh, what a mezuzah is? A mezuzah, mezuzah. Mount this on the doorpost of your... So you look around the church and you'll see on, on the uh, frames of the doorways these mezuzahs. Uh, this is out of Deuteronomy 6 where God gives the commandment to mount His Word. Now you see the case... But really, what the mezuzah is, is really the scroll, the parchment inside the case that has the Word of God written in it. And so, uh, there's actually, Shema is only just the very beginning of what's considered the Shema. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And then Deuteronomy eleven thirteen to twenty one and Numbers fifteen thirty seven through forty one are all meticulously handwritten by a scribe, uh, and then it's rolled up. Now we uh, use uh, photocopies because nobody wants to pay seventy five dollars for a scroll, <laughs> so we use photocopies, and it's okay. It's by faith you enter in, right? It's not some magic uh, uh, thing you put on your door, but it is the word of God, and God said to do it. And if God said it, there's pro- we do it. There's probably something to it when we do it. And, uh, of course, uh, we, w- this isn't a mezuzah teaching, but when you put the word on, it's like saying, my house is under the protection of Almighty God. And then you ad lib from there. <laughs> Whatever you want to add, you know, make it uh, kosher gumbo. <laughs> kosher scriptural gumbo. So think about this. We're talking about the greatest prayer in the Old Testament. It not only establishes uh, that God is God, the only one true God, but it also, you're making a declaration or an assertion that God is all there is. Who's ever lived their life without God? Yeah? I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Yeah. How'd that work out? (laughs) Life without God doesn't work out. I mean, you might take a few steps forward and then a thousand steps back, and you're like the hamster on the wheel. (laughs) How come I ain't making no progress? Because God is all there is. Whether you're a Jew or a Christian, Our faith informs us that nothing truly exists outside of God. And so, morning and night, you're reminding yourself of this revelation if you do it the observant Jewish way. Now, look, we're not saying that that's something that has to be done, but uh, the Bible does say in the New Testament, pray without ceasing. 
Smith Wigglesworth, the great evangelist, preacher, and uh, man of God, once said, I never pray more than 30 minutes, but I never go 30, more than 30 minutes without praying. Not a bad little template, huh? So nothing truly exists outside of God. Hebrews 1.3 says this. Go over to Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews 1.3 says many things, but one of the things that it uh, emphasizes is that the Lord sustains all things by the power of His Word. The Word of the living God, God's Word, is alive and full of power, and that Word sustains all things. All things. Someone say, all things. So, He'll sustain us. And, by extension, your words, when they come in to agreement with God's words, help sustain you, your marriage, your health, your finances, your purpose, your destiny in life. Why do people struggle? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, in one sense, the rain is going to fall on the just and the unjust. So there's just, you know, as Forrest Gump, taught us stuff happens (laughs) or something like that can't say what he really said in church stuff happens right the thing about christianity and walking by faith and living with principles and concepts that we're talking about today and every week is that we want less of bad stuff happening and more of good stuff happening So how do I get into that position where uh, I'm a good person and bad things are happening less and less and good things are happening more and more? Understanding that if God sustains all things by the power of His Word, then you and I need to adopt that principle in our own lives and make sure our words are in alignment and agreement with God's words and we'll begin to see that uh, uh, that word is holding our lives, holding our kids, holding our marriage, holding our finances, our health together. Christianity isn't a crapshoot. Christianity isn't like Las Vegas. A roulette wheel. Well, I hope I hit red. (laughs) God's Word is true. And there's thousands of promises. And assertively, in faith, with a sense of confidence, we pursue the promises of God. That's how we roll at New Beginnings. Anybody a New Beginnings uh, clone? Not a bad thing. You're going to follow and imitate somebody. Amen. So, if there is one God, then our life must be totally surrendered to Him. 
When we say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of every sin, break every curse, reconnect me to the covenant promises of God, let salvation, deliverance, health and healing, prosperity and blessing, let your kingdom come into my, your will be done. And, and, and however that sinner's prayer happens, it's a total surrender. Although I've noticed that it doesn't work out that way for everybody. Thank God it worked out that way for you and I. You wouldn't be here today if you weren't surrendering yourself, submitting yourself. Because technically, literally, a life without God is no life at all. I had it before Christ. How was that? How'd that work out for you, Scott Sigmund? How'd your life before Christ work out? Not so good. But with Christ, bam. It's like they said in the uh, uh, Aladdin movie, a whole new world. We used to sing the song based on Acts 17, 28. In Him we live and move and have our being. That's the foundation. Having this kind of thing in, in that gray matter. What's the front part called? The, uh, the frontal lobe. We need the, we, in Him we live. Life and life more abundantly. Eternal life, abundant life. We move in the right directions. And we have a sense of being. We know that in Christ I am all these things. I just want to go to a church where we sing a few hymns and uh, the guy says some things I really don't know what he means and then go home and feel good about myself. Man, I ain't into that. Are you into that? Uh, there, in the... Uh, uh, the Bible Gateway website where they have a bunch of different translations of the Bible. I use that to go. This morning, I looked this scripture up, and in the, there, did you know there's an easy to read <laughs> translation? I wonder what ERV stood for. So I clicked on that because you can get like, you know, 17 trans, ERV, what do I do with that one? Because it said it so good. It was the easy to read version and it made it easy to read and understand it said it is through him that we are able to live to do what we do what you doing i'm doing what i do and to be who we are the former person passed away All that ugly garbage from the past before Christ, before, maybe you had religion. But did you really have the kind of relationship we're describing here? Right? Felt good on uh, Easter and Christmas and, uh, you know, the rest of it was Vegas Christianity. (laughs) Hope you make it, brother. 
So it's no accident that the Lord has Moses combine the Shema. This is the greatest of all prayers in the Old Testament. Moses is inspired to combine Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. He combines it with the greatest of all commandments. Wow, something's going on here. And uh, the greatest of all commandments, in many of its versions and translations, is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. With all your heart means all your desires. I mean, have you ever uh, gotten a uh, notification that it's Amazon Prime Day? And all of a sudden, man, you're just getting this feeling, oh man, there's going to be something good. I'm going to get it at a discount. I'm, man, I'd, and then you're going through the list of things. You're desiring, you're building that craving, that yearning. And, and you press that, uh, yeah, buy, buy, buy. That's our feeling towards God. I feel that way. Coming to church. Did you feel that way this morning? Oh, man. It wasn't like, oh, okay, I'm going to go serve out community service two hours at the church. And the judge will, uh, you know, let me off with good behavior. With all your heart. Directed by God. committed With all your soul. That's your intellect. When you became a Christian, you didn't check your brains at the door. God expects us to use our brain. That's why He gave it to us. It's not some sin to think it through. Now, if you're thinking, 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 and it becomes analysis, paralysis by analysis, that's a procrastination, that's another thing. But our thoughts, our intellect, our willpower, uh, uh, all of that, we're dedicating to the Lord. What are your priorities, God? Let me think it through and figure out how to adapt it into my life so that the principles and concepts and ideals of God, the values of God, are working in my life. And I'm intentionally doing it. I'm not some puppet on a string. I put my mind to it and get her done. What are you doing? I'm getting her done. With all your strength. That speaks of your resources, right? Your money, your finances, your tithes, your offerings. You, you realize that uh, you're a steward. God's given me all of these blessings, and I'm a steward of those blessings. And, uh, and so I dedicate those things to Him. So, yeah, the greatest prayer, Lord, there's no other God. But you, combined with the greatest of all commandments, I dedicate my heart and soul and resources to you. Totally surrendered. That's the foundation of faith, right? And when we have an altar call, that's really what should be going on at an altar call. 
that people are entering into that level of understanding. You'd have a lot less backsliding if people knew up front that I'm not just asking you to believe. I'm asking you to become a disciple. Yeah? Bible says the devils believe. So what differentiates Christians that believe from devils that believe? Yeah? And, uh, and so it's that surrender. Um, here's a scripture that I latched on to early on to help me get past myself. And this is from the New Living Testament in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Picture that. Yeah? It, my old self, is no longer I who liveth. What's the, what's the middle letter of sin? What's the middle letter of pride? I. Even Christians can have eye disease. But we're being trained, equipped. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. How many of you know today and rejoice today that Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, lives in you? Yeah, You could teach eight weeks on that reality. So, it goes on, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. That's the whole point of it. The whole point of saying, Jesus, come into my life is so you live for Him. Right? Why? Because he loved you, it says, and he gave himself for you. If you're not sure about all of that, put on the the movie The Passion and watch The Passion again, and maybe that'll get your uh, feeler back in order, (laughs) how you feel about things. And uh, I know for us, I'm preaching to the choir, we feel like, thank you, Jesus! Now what's so fascinating is that most Christians miss that Jesus prayed the Shema and it's written in our Bible. It's written in Mark 12. Go over to Mark 12, verse 28. You're going to see something maybe you've never seen before. One of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, the scribe asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And in verse 29, look at it in your New King James, King James, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is what? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Shema, the greatest prayer in the Old Testament, Jesus is uh, uh, ratifying, he's sanctioning, he's saying, this is the greatest in the New Testament. But then he combines the Shema in verse 30 with the greatest of all commandments. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love the Lord, your, uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Amen. What a statement. It's the essence of our faith. Why do you believe what you believe? Bam, right there. Because God is God, the one true God. There's no other God and no other nation. There's no wooden statue or some others. You can make it a hundred feet tall. That ain't God. And because of that, I recognize that. And today I'm here to love the Lord and worship Him and honor Him and respect Him and give Him the honor that He's due with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my resources. Praise God. So the Shema is the greatest prayer in Judaism. And if I were to ask you, well, what's the greatest prayer in Christianity? How would you answer that? What would you say? Most people would say the Lord's Prayer. And for argument's sake, let's say you're right. I would say that the Lord's Prayer, just like John 3.16, is probably the greatest scripture in the New Testament. I would say the Lord's Prayer is probably the greatest prayer. There's many prayers throughout the Bible. But in Matthew 6, the disciples said, Lord Jesus, teach us how to pray. All right, that's the only time he was asked about that. And look at what he says. This is how you should pray. Our Father, notice it didn't say, Lord Jesus. Just a smaller point, but our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't lead us into any temptation and deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Teach us how to pray. Bam, there's the prayer. It's a classic prayer, the greatest prayer in Christianity. And there's some things going on here that we need to learn about and apply in our lives. And it's not widely taught. That what Jesus gave us is a prayer template. Okay? Reciting the Lord's Prayer in 30 seconds probably releases some power. But it's not a race to who can say it fastest. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, who eats the fastest, he gets the most. God wants us to learn the outline, the pattern. And take us beyond the 30 seconds. And then if you... So this morning, we're talking about the Shema, the greatest prayer in Judaism. Let's talk about the greatest prayer in Christianity. And hopefully as a result, you'll walk away with some revelation. You'll walk away equipped to take your prayer life to a new level. God's got a framework for that. 
And it begins with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice how Jesus says your prayer doesn't begin with a request. Yeah, God's not a genie. Your Bible isn't Aladdin's lamp. Come on, come on, Lord. We begin hallowing God's name, praising the name of the Lord. Yeah. Praising Him for who He is. Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Holy One of Israel. And that praise and thanksgiving, again, a framework, a template, an outline, uh, is done in the context of the names of God. Now, many don't know that God has more names than God. Or Lord. Or even Father. Um, Psalm 103 expounds on what we're talking about today. Uh, It teaches us Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. And then, after that, and forget not His benefits. Well, the names of God reveal His benefits. So Jesus is teaching us when you come before the Lord in a spirit of worship and praise and thanksgiving, begin by blessing His name because His names all reveal different benefits. And those benefits are released as you welcome in His presence. The benefits follow. Nice deal. In Psalm 103, the benefits are forgiveness, healing, rescue, favor, and blessing. If that's all that's going on, I'll take it. (laughs) Forgiveness, healing, rescue, favor, and blessing. All related to the covenant names of God. God has covenant names that He's revealed throughout the Bible. So we, out of respect, Approach the Lord and bless His holy name. He's Jehovah Sitkanu. Jehovah our righteousness. Thank you, Father. I've been able to exchange these dirty rags of sinful living for your holiness, godliness, and righteousness. I am clean. I am justified. I am purified. I'm forgiven. you begin to speak that, you're releasing spiritually something in your life. He's Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah our peace. 
Aren't you glad that at times where there's turmoil and strife and confusion and every evil work that you can call on Jehovah Shalom and uh, though, though it's going crazy, it's madness out there. Father, I thank you. I have a peace that passes all understanding. It guards my heart and guards my mind. And so I can move forward with confidence that no matter what's going on out there, in here, in here, I'm at peace. A calmness, an assurance, a serenity, a tranquility, a harmony, a poise, a patience. And we got to work at that. I just can't say, bam! Is that where a lot of times Christians get frustrated? They think everything is a microwave moment. And you're trying to manufacture peace in the midst of the storm, but you've never spent any time worshiping the Prince of Peace, worshiping Jehovah Shalom, and digging into what does that covenant name mean for me, my family, my life, my health, my finances, my... I'm facing difficult things. What do I do? Get into the Word. Get into the covenant relationship and begin to understand something beyond now I lay me. He's Jehovah Rophe, our healer. Were you here with me last week in the main service when we started going through some healing revelation? Yeah. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Amen. He's Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd, the great shepherd of the church. And the list goes on. In fact, I uh, had, uh, with Tamara's help, we uh, created a a partial list of the names of God on a handout in the back, and it might even be available online. I'm not sure if you can get it online, but we'll, uh, we'll try to address that. But each name is a revelation of who God is and what He wants to provide. But if you're going to a church where they're just kind of going through a ritual, liturgy, reading and no revelation, how do you ever, where do you learn this stuff? And so you can, you can live 40 years in a church and what did you learn? Nothing. <laughs> What'd you get out of church? Nothing. I learned so and so had a birthday. I, I I got a free spaghetti dinner. I got I got me a chicken dinner. Okay, I'm shaking the house. Number two, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about an outline, a pattern, a framework. And the more you grow in the things of God, the more these areas can expand and increase and improve. You're like Jabez, the prayer of Jabez. Lord, expand my stakes. Expand my territory. What is it? You, you know, don't, you're not supposed to, the world is not supposed to be closing in on you. Because of faith and the power of the Holy Ghost and the living Word of God, you're supposed to be expanding. 
Spiritually, not not CC's Pizza expanding. So God's transitioning from worshiping and blessing His holy name to dedicating ourselves to not my will be done, but thine be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we begin to release that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God to be accomplished in our lives. And we're trying to synchronize how we're living with how God says to live. And so the road to that, accomplishing that, is always under construction. (laughs) The road to success is always under construction. So there's always stuff to be done. That's why people give up. And that's why I'm not one of the big fans of there's nothing you have to do message. If you're trying to do something, then you're negating the grace of God. No, I'm trying to become somebody. And God's looking for me to partner with Him, get off my rusty dusty, and do some things. Well done! My good and faithful servant. Well done! How do you like your steak? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So, you're talking about... uh, Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? Is there any poverty in heaven? Is there people depressed in heaven? People needing to uh, uh, take uh, all the pharmaceuticals that uh, the pharmacy companies are pushing. Every You can watch any channel at any time and the bulk of the, the advertising are pharma companies pushing the next thing. And so our minds need to be rejecting that. And that doesn't mean throw away everything the doctors prescribe, but you need to up your game when it comes to uh, your spiritual understanding of, as it is in heaven, so it be in my life. And you fight the good fight of faith for that. And you're praying that over yourself, over your family, your children, your grandchildren, over your marriage, over your nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and cousins and extended family. And then you're praying it over your destiny. You have a destiny at home, a destiny in your business, a destiny with your health, your finances, with all your relationships. And in you're praying, God, I want to align my thoughts, my will my heart, my desires with everything that you promised that's going on in heaven I, Father, thank you and bless you, it's manifesting in my life well I tried that for a week, it didn't work so I quit then you can expand on that pray for your church, your pastor Amen? Your church family needs prayer. 
You might not even know who in the church family needs prayer, but God will use you in your intercession. And uh, even even though you're not knowing what you're praying for in, in your heavenly language, Father, I just want to cover my church family. I loosen healing. I loosen miracles. I loosen breakthrough power. I bind the devil. I bind sickness and every infirmity in the name and by the blood of Jesus. Is somebody with me on this? Say amen. Or we can just pray, now I lay me. Not sure that's going to defeat many devils. You can expand that into the nation. Your city, your state, your school board. Even other churches, spiritual leaders, you're praying for godliness, holiness, morality. Amen. You're binding the devil. You're binding all of that sin, all of that ungodliness. And you're rebuking in the spirit realm the powers and principalities that are trying to prepare the world for the coming of the Antichrist. He may be coming because it's written in the Word of God. That doesn't mean i got to be down with it. I don't want to come into agreement with it. <laughs> I'm preparing the world for the coming of Jesus. So there's a little bit of, yeah, okay, yeah. All right. And on and on. You just expand. Number three, give us this day our daily bread. That's more than just CeCe's Pizza. Right? Panera bread. Give me this day Panera bread. And the best sandwich and salad they got. Okay, it can include that. But it includes so much more in the physical realm. Your daily bread is health and healing. you got to fight the good fight of faith nowadays. You don't know what they're putting in the food supply. Right? You're one, I'm just... You know, eating stuff, and you're wondering, what the heck did they put in that? Man, that stuff's made out of formaldehyde. They're using the same ingredients in some of our food that they put in radiator coolant. And we wonder, why uh, why is this happening? Well, maybe you don't know it, but you're eating radiator fluid. Financially, give us this day our daily bread financially. Right? It's God's pleasure. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Beloved, I pray that you are in health and prosper in every area of life, even as your soul prospers. That's it. I'm going back to the church where they just teach me, what did they teach me? Nothing. Pray over your investments, your business, your income. Pray about how much you should be sowing. Right? Miracle harvest comes after you plant your seed. And God multiplies the seed in the same way He multiplies the farmer's seed. Little seed, little harvest. A lot of seed, a lot of harvest. And God will always add miracle grow. 
You know, I think this whole thing on fertilizer right now, have you heard that they're trying to stop, the climate nuts are trying to stop uh, farmers from using fertilizer? I think that physical agricultural uh, plan is not from God, but it signifies something spiritual. That the devil is on the move trying to get you to stop praying, stop growing, stop understanding these things so you won't put the Word of God, the power of God, the promises of God on your health and your fine, and you'll just, all of a sudden, the devil's got people painted into a corner. You serve the King of Kings! Don't be painted into a corner. And if you feel like that, you need to get into that praise and worship here in a few minutes, and you need to step that thing up. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for my breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. I never did understand that. I didn't need a 30-week Sunday school course to figure this stuff out, man. I just knew it intuitively. I was on fire for the devil before Christ. I said, I'm going to be on fire for God with Christ. Just transferred the fire. Number four, forgive us our sins, our debts, as we forgive our debtors, those who have sinned against us. When you forgive... And when you're forgiven, you eliminate a big part of the devil's game plan. Yeah? God's saying you make forgiveness a daily event. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The very Hebrew word for prayer is, at its root, means to repent. Yeah? There's nothing better than living your life knowing I got a clean heart. God is renewing a right spirit within me. And all of that right spirit is largely contingent on you're getting rid of grudges. You're getting rid of bitterness. You can't become better if you're always bitter. Right? You can't live with animosity, with grudges and anger, revenge. Get them, get them, get them. Because that takes the place of faith. Faith won't exist in that environment. Love and hope and peace and joy won't exist. So you got to work that, and Jesus worked that out in prayer. All the time. And, and you can expound and expand, insert your own scriptures, your own revelation that the Holy Ghost is giving you. Amen? Number five, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Another aspect of the framework of prayer, the, the pattern, the template. Uh, there's a spiritual war going on. Duh! <laughs> Satan's real. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed that. 
The Bible says that the devil goes about as pretending as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour me, my family, my my uh, extended family, my health, my finances, my future. He may not devour that in the name and by the blood of Jesus. important every now and then to get stirred up isn't it right some some things don't change unless you amp it up put some pedal to the metal will you get some red bull it'll give you wings temptations originate with satan not god He uses our evil inclination. What Galatians 5 talks about is the works of the flesh. There's things lodged in the base human nature that are inclined to do it a different way than God's way. Galatians 5 lays it all out. The list is too big and you'll be depressed instead of full of joy. You say, oh my gosh, all of that stuff is, they're parasites working in me. They have parasites! So you're praying for God's protection against those attacks. And and look, everybody might be have their own unique area that really you can't this is the area that keeps coming against you. A lot of people you they don't struggle with that. Why do I struggle with that? You weren't born even if you were born that way. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. So if you want to begin to prevent these attacks and stop the temptations, you can't wait until you're in the midst of the battle to begin to cultivate the strength and the power and the vision to fight back. It's like trying to get on the all-state rep. My my car just got. I need to add a rider to my policy. Did you? Are you? Are you at the scene of the? It's too late at the scene of the accident. So the Lord taught us to pray, and then you end it. Uh, some say it wasn't in the original prayer. Thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Close it on a high note. Thank you, Jesus for the victory. So, Jesus is telling us that this should go on regularly. Could you not tarry one hour? Prayer should always be your first choice, not a feeling like this is a last resort. (laughs) Right? A great uh, Christian author a hundred years ago or more said, the reason why many fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. The reason why others succeed is because they have gained their victory on their knees long before the battle came. Yeah? You need to anticipate battles. Don't. Don't pray for them to come to see how strong you are. But stuff happens. But you're always, every day, you're praying without ceasing. 
before temptation comes. And you're thanking the Lord in advance for helping you get the upper hand on these things that are driving a wedge between you and your spouse or you and your kids or this, that, or the other thing. Good advice, right? Yep. How many of you are glad you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the Word of the living God to empower your prayer life? Amen. Amen. And how many of you know that through prayer, prayer changes things? Remember the bumper sticker? Why, why do we say that? Because when you call on the Lord in prayer, He's going to help you accomplish things you can't accomplish on your own. Amen? So, may our faith grow stronger. May our confidence, not our waistline, our confidence expand. And may the promises of God manifest in your life like never before. The effective, fervent prayers of righteous men and women get results. Amen today. Well, if you receive that, give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah.